Welcome back, everybody. This is episode 30 of the Independent Intel Podcast. I'm your host, Kimbui Bomani. And today I'm back with my At The Whistle fellows. And we're here to talk about NBA basketball, the season preview. Basketball season is upon us. Preseason will start next week. The real season starts a few weeks after that. And we're going to encompass all teams in the NBA stratosphere from the Raptors to the Lakers. We're covering them all. And I got my guys, Ace, Darius, and Clem. All basketball fanatics here to talk about it. You guys ready? Yeah. Yes, do the Bulls get Zach Levine? <laughs> they do. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get right into it. We're going to start in the Atlantic Division and the Toronto Raptors. They're there as well. Um, they'll finally get to play in Canada for the first time after not playing. First time in a year. They weren't able to play in Canada last season. They're in Tampa all year. Pascal Siakam, he's happy about that. Looks refreshed. Looks ready to get get right into the season. Attack it. Maybe he'll be an even better player. Fred Van Vliet is going to run that point guard spot for the Raptors, taking over with Kyle Lowry, and they got Scotty Barnes, the third overall pick in the draft, um, and he's ready to do what he has to do as well. So when we look at the Raptors, they're a playoff team, in you guys' opinion, if what happens for them to be successful? They cannot be a playoff team. Um, I think Pascal Siakam has to play at an all-star level, and I think that Van Fleet has to play at the perennial all-star level. Um, even at that, though, I think they slide in to the play-in at that point. But it's real slim pickings for them. And then Scotty Barnes needs to actually play like a number four pick uh, with potential moving forward. But in my opinion, out of the top five draft picks, I think he was the um, – the lowest in potential in um, NBA ready. So it's my personal opinion. All right, Darius, you said they don't, but on every one of these teams, I'm going to say they can make the playoffs. If, and then I'll get to say they won't make the playoffs. If so Darius, you got to be optimistic oh. at least <laughs> if they make the playoffs. Okay. So in your opinion, they make it. If, what happens? Uh. Whew. The Toronto Raptors make it if the competition level in the East drops from what it was last year. I just – that's it for me. It's a fair point. And Ace, round it out. What do you think it will take for the Raptors to get back into the postseason picture? Being uh, – I mean, we spoke on the Raptors before. Um, I feel like we've seen the best of Pascal Siakam during their finals run. Ooh. I don't think it gets no better than that. Um, so, I mean, I'm kind of with Darius on this one, man. I mean, some injuries I have to have a guy for this. We don't want to see nobody hurt. But, like, and that's the only situation I see them being a solid playoff team. Otherwise, I'm with Clem. Yeah, they, they are a play-in team. Um, yeah, I, I, and I think that play-in comes. And I don't even know who they would be playing again. It probably – I don't know, man. They they are playing. I'm so, I'm solid on playing. All right, so all you guys are supremely down on the Raptors. <laughs> um, I'm going to keep it simple. They can make the playoffs if I think OG Ananobi develops like they want him to develop. I've been hearing a conversation about that for about a few years, but this is the year Ananobi's um, kind of taking on that ownership role to be more of a leader and a more creative offensive player. The coaching staff wants him to do that as well. I think we all can agree Siakam is who he is. You guys say he tapped out in the finals. I think he tapped out 
that year after the finals where he was a second team all NBA talent. I think that's the best that he's going to be. I do think playing back in Canada, not just for him, but for the whole team will help their morale and they'll play better because they get to play in their home arena and go home in their own homes. But I think it's going to come down to Ananobi. I think Siakam and Van Vliet, we know what they bring to the table. If OG can be most improved to coincide with Scotty playing valuable valuable minutes and being a factor, it's a playoff team. I mean, we we all can agree the East is tough. The East, talent-wise, they finally caught up to the West. I think, personally, the East is deeper than the West in terms of teams that are kind of interchangeable and can compete. But we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to there. But that's that I think and I'm saying that because Atlanta went to the conference finals and we talked about how Boston if COVID didn't wreck them they're a playoff team um Miami if injuries didn't wreck them with COVID they're a playoff team as well Chicago y'all y'all hyping up Chicago like yo they're gonna make the postseason so you know they got Lonzo and the Rose so um not not don't don't hype us up it's a Wednesday so hey 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 we here <laughs> hey, it's lying down Wednesday, man. Hey, I'm with yeah, my people. I my cup on, down before I came on because you know, can't believe you give me hot. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I just listed off a few teams. The East is tough, like, it's not the East that LeBron was taking over, so it's gotten deeper. So, Toronto, you're right, not to take anything away game. from LeBron. Yeah, not nothing against him, but I had to say that. Yeah, yeah, is this our play. Stephen A? He's a great philanthropist, great father. Yeah, but you know, Deshaun ain't on here, so we ain't got to do all of that. But um, shout out to Deshaun, though. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, Toronto, just control what you can control. And I think your guys that are staples continue to be staples. Anunoby develops. They could be right there. Um, I feel like it won't happen if Ananobi doesn't develop Siakam plays like he did during the pandemic, which is horrible. And Van Vliet's like their clear best player. And then Scotty Barnes doesn't do anything to add any type of an asset to the team. But that's, you know, my little take on the Raptors. Uh, moving on, we got the Brooklyn Nets. Um, we all know what they represent in terms of how super duper they can be when Durant, Irving, and Harden are all available and healthy. They added Patty Mills in the offseason. Alders decided to slide back with him, re-sign Blake Griffin. Um, they got Cam Thomas from LSU. He's a bucket getter. We saw that in the summer league. So this is a deep team for sure. But the question that we all have is they can live up to their championship ceiling if what happens? I'm going to start with Darius. So why I you feel like this don't even need to be said, bro. If they can stay healthy, like – I mean, I think the Brooklyn Nets, I think the Brooklyn Nets may be the most injury-prone team in the history of the NBA. Uh, And, and, you know, I'm rocking with Durant. You know, Durant got a lot of haters, but I'm rocking with him. Uh, I, I really feel like it's no competition for the Brooklyn Nets. I don't even think the Lakers... No offense. I don't even think the Lakers have the uh, the defensive prowess to be able to stop the Brooklyn Nets. Like, <clears throat> healthy? That's ugly, you know, because even if you even if you get, like, say, LaMarcus Aldridge off the bench or Patty Mills off the bench, 
I mean, dude, kind of burnt. <laughs> it's nothing you really can do against the Nets. Nothing. Except get lucky, like the Bucks did. Clem, do you agree with Darius? Is it just really just comes down to health for these guys to fulfill a championship aspiration? I would say health and Kyrie. I think um, mm. Kyrie's going to play a big part. Um, he was the healthiest net on that team last year, but he also is the biggest head case probably in the entire NBA. Um, we know he's a great, one of the greatest shows in basketball um, in today's NBA, but he's also very unpredictable. So um, I think it's going to come down to health, number one, but then also what Kyrie does and if he stays consistent and is okay with being that third guy and getting, you know, 16 to 19 shots every game. All right, Ace, if you continue the injury train in terms of they stay healthy, they're going to fulfill the I championship? Do. Okay. I'm, I mean, I'm actually – piggybacking on Clem. Those are my two. Um, and actually, if they're able to – I'm not too sold on their depth either. Um, when it comes to terms of depth, and we all know in the postseason that's what matters. Um, I'm, and I mean, I'll touch on it when we get to the Pacific Division with the Lakers. But because Darius brought up the comparison, I mean, I feel like that's the only comparison when the Nets come up. But it's definitely going to come to the health of the Nets and the prima donna S of Kyrie. Mm. Yeah, I'm going to just say, you know, we all know what time it is. Kyrie got to get that shot. You know, if he could get the shot, then, I mean, you know, that's step one of being available. If he finesses his way to not get the shot by saying, I'm Muslim, so I, I can't take it because it's against my beliefs, then I, I guess that worked too. But um, if he's available and he can stay healthy, their championship team, I, he is kind of the missing piece that if he kind of flows with the team, they're going to fulfill that, you know, goal. And I know a lot of people when they got hard and felt like Kyrie was expendable, but what Kyrie adds is another guy that can score the basketball and is another ball handler. Now, I'm not saying he's the greatest decision maker, but it's a guy when he gets the ball in his hands, the defense has to pay homage to in terms of his threat to be a off the dribble creator. So, um, I think they're a lot, a little bit deeper than they were last year. I think Mills and Aldridge are going to be assets. Um, they're young guys uh, led by Cam Thomas. They're going to have to be able to do a little something, something for the team. But, you know, yeah, injury-wise, if they're staying healthy, they're going to be a tough out in the East. Um, really, and I think, yeah, Darius? I really feel like Brooklyn. Kevin Durant went over there and just created Golden State, the dark-skinned Golden State. Like, the dark skin go to state, bro. Like, in all honesty, it's like, what's really the difference between uh, Kevin Durant's last year as a warrior uh, in terms of teams? You know, they <clears throat> they depth is is young. I don't like they were I don't more think, complete. I don't think he created our dark skin Golden State. I think he created a modified Oklahoma City when Harden was there, there with Westbrook. Yeah. So I think that's just what it is. I think he remembered at that time what that team could have accomplished if Harden was still in the fold. Um, in essence, Irving is his Westbrook. He's, he's just yeah. – Irving is a lot more of a polished offensive scorer, while Westbrook is a lot more polished at doing everything else but scoring efficiently. So um, that's really what it comes down to, what he created there. For them to be able to fulfill a title, they just got to stay healthy. And they don't reach that potential if they don't stay healthy. And if Kyrie 
doesn't do the necessary things that he needs to do, which is get the shot, don't get the shot, whatever. And being able to, when he is playing, stay healthy and be a factor. He's saying all the right things on social media, like basketball is a journey. He's ready to embrace the journey and they're going to do what it has to do to win. But, you know, and Steve Nash got to coach a little bit, especially in the postseason. You know, diversify those rotations. Um, understand that, you know, Durant can handle the ball too and be a creator. And then if they're able to do that, I think they're going to come out the East for sure. Up next, we got Boston. They got a new coach. But same kind of personnel. We all know where Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum represent as scorers in the league. Um, but they got question marks at point guard. Dennis Schroeder's their third different point guard in like five years. And they all kind of do the same. Irving, Walker, Schroeder, their score first guys. So it's going to be interesting to see how a score first point guard acclimates with two wings that need the basketball to kind of be productive to score. Um, but start with Clem on this. Boston, you know, they made the playoffs last season and then got bounced because Jalen Brown wasn't healthy when it mattered in the postseason. They're able to not just make the playoffs, but be a factor in the East of what happens for the Seas. Um, if Dennis Schroeder, actually, you know what? I'm not even going to focus on him. If Robert Williams turns into the defensive stud that I think he can be, he just signed a, a pretty big deal this offseason. Um, so they're banking on him for the long-term future and hoping that he can be that defensive threshold because they got the scoring prowess on the offensive end with Tatum and Brown. And, you know, Schroeder's not an elite-level scorer. Damn, there is that picture just scared the hell out of me, boy. <laughs> oh, my bad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> He's white though. That boy happy as hell, lady. <laughs> okay. Hey, chill out, bro. Damn, <laughs> <laughs> the teeth, boy. Chill out, bro. Chill out. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, I think Robert Williams needs to take a step forward and be that defensive lockdown um, centerpiece that I think he can be, and then help out because I think their best lineups is when Tatum plays the four and Brown plays the three. So um, smart at the two, uh, Schroeder at the one. They have mobility on the, the four, um, guarding the, the outside, but if he can hold it down in paint and allow them to be the offensive scorers and give them the versatility for the, their best lineups, I think that's what's going to help them propel. So Ace, Clem said Robert Williams living up to his defensive upside. That's his key. What is your key for the Celtics to be a competitive team in the East? Um. They have to get away from that. It's been a long time since they took Brian seven games. We need to get away from um, – I think they're still living in that. It needs to be a clear-cut leader in that locker room. Um, some nights you go out, you don't know if Tatum's going to be the front runner. You don't know if Jalen Brown's going to be a front runner. And then you add Schroeder to the mix, which, I mean, Schroeder hasn't been a leader on any team that he's been on just been a vital piece. So for me, um, I, I also agree with Clem. Robert Williams has to, you know, embrace that defensive role, but there has to be a leader in that locker room. Darius, um, your thoughts, if you're there. Um, hey, you know. hey, <laughs> <laughs> um, man, for the, for the Boston Celtics to, uh, to even make the finals, I feel like they got the recipe. Um, 
But, you know, the cards have been in their favor for the past couple of years. And I just feel like Schroeder is going to have to go over there and act like he got some sense. You know, um, I don't even, like, you know, everybody who is fresh off of playing with Bron, they're different. <laughs> you know, they different. Um, and Schroeder, I, you can't be a ball for one. Two, you got other teammates who are just as gifted, if not more gifted, and almost beat LeBron when they were super duper young. So, you know, I feel like he got to get over there and get that chemistry up and, um, you know, just not tweak like he did in L.A., you know. Uh, he put on a – yeah, he got to go over there and put on the show. Yeah, um, the reason why they gave the job to Ime Udoka is he brings a defensive identity that they felt like Boston didn't have last season, and they didn't really play any defense. But I think what it really comes down to is an extension what all of you guys are kind of saying. Shooter is the key in kind of making this work, but also their depth being a factor. Um, I saw Aaron Neesmith and Peyton Pritchard light it up in the summer league. We're going to need that to translate to games that matter. They're able to give them quality minutes as guards off the bench, it now provides a level of depth on their team that they didn't have really since Kyrie left because no longer do you have to depend on Tatum and Brown having to score 30 each for you guys to be a factor in games. Now you have second unit players you can lean on and be productive. And then what it's really also going to come down to is Brown and Tatum got to both be consistent in their evolution. It felt like Brown took a huge step last year and Tatum kind of declined. Now, granted, Tatum was going through COVID-19, so – that played a factor, but if they can both come into the year and Brown looks like he's taking that next step in his game and Tatum is playing at that all-NBA talent, now they're a problem. Uh, we both can admit they did miss Brown in that Brooklyn series. Just another guy that can not only defend with the three scores the Nets have, but also provide points scoring. So that's where that is there. Got two more teams. Um, we're going to go with the New York Knicks, the starters. Um you know, the Knicks, Derrick Rose came out and said Kimball Walker is going to start at point guard. So it looks like Rose is coming off the bench. They went out and got Fournier and Walker, so that's their new backcourt to provide offense. Um, we're going to get to you, Darius. Julius Randle is a guy who basically led the New York offense in scoring. He was their offense. Those days look like they're over. He can go back to being maybe a third or a fourth option. Um, Darius, he's eager. I'm going to start with you. The Knicks last season made the playoffs and won one game against Atlanta before they got gentlemen swept. What will it take in the East for them to possibly win a series and be a factor in the postseason? Well, you know why I was eager, right? Yeah, I feel like you should – yeah, Derrick Rose. Mm -hmm. But um, last year, Tibbs not only showed that he's competent, um, but he also, he, he also showed that he knows his personnel. He knows how to get in tune with his personnel. If his personnel is not soft and can handle management. Okay. So going into this year, you add a star, Kimball Walker. You know, he want to he wanna bring it back home. Uh, and um, Kimball Walker being a good scorer. I mean, he's not great defensively, but he can score. It it take a lot of pressure off of the other guys, of course, because uh, 
although they were doing everything that they could uh, in the playoffs, they just they they offense lacked against Atlanta. And if they want to run that back, uh, it helps that they have Derrick Rose able to come off the bench now. You know, so that that we all know the 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 Derrick Rose effect. We've seen him go to other teams, and other teams just get better. So um, him coming off the bench, man, I, I feel like that's not everything, but it's a it's a damn good start. So, Clem, rose off the bench. Um, looks like the Knicks are getting more offensively oriented with their firepower. Do you feel like that's enough for them to be a factor in the East, or do they need a little bit more? No. Um, quite frankly, I disagree with Brother Darius. Um, and I don't, I don't want to be the one to say it, but I think that they're going to be that team that misses the playoffs this year in the East. If you look at the East from – Probably one through about seven, there's like seven quality teams there. And for me, when I like to uh, decipher the talent to see who's like really the cream of the crop, I like to see like rank them by duos on each team. And when I match up all the top two players on each team in the East, I see the Knicks in that bottom tier. Um, I think that Trey Young and John Collins is a better duo than um um Randall and I mean Kemba is Kemba their second best player is RJ going to take a step this year I think Tibbs as you know great Chicago guy he's, he's known for you know helping people advance very far like as far as the way he plays them and and the defense that he instills in his players but he also runs guys into the ground because he is very hard on them like that um so I wouldn't be surprised if if Randall doesn't have the season he had last year Kemba still struggles with his knee and then, you know, um, Rose is getting older. So, you know, time, time is the ultimate tale, but I can see them falling out of the playoffs or being that last seed in the play-in this year. So Ace, Clem's down, Darius is super up. Where do you fall in between it all on the Knicks? Um, what Clem says stands true, especially if, Julius Randle doesn't embrace who we know he can be. It's no secret. he's He can embrace being a budding star. We know he's capable of that star power. But his his postseason performance was one thing. Um, and then two, it's kind of like a case of what have you done for me lately? It's like, okay, New York as a city, as a franchise and everything, we, we made the playoffs. Um. But I didn't see any – I don't see much changing. Because actually for me, I, I felt let down because I felt like they could have beat Atlanta had Julius Randle. It's, you know, shown who he really could be. But it's just too many have-nots. Um, too many have-nots, and I'm not sold on New York, right? especially even with the pickup with Kimba. I mean, Kimba's the flip-flop teams, and I feel like Kimba's best years are behind him too. Um, he, he spent a lot of time in Charlotte. Bobcat, Hornet, he spent a lot of time, and I feel like we've seen the best of them. Pretty quiet seasons the last few years. So, I mean, something drastic is going to have to change in the middle of the season in order for that to stand – I mean, for something to change. Yeah, I'm. you know, to be honest, they have a slight chance to maybe make the postseason, but it's hard. I mean, I feel like a lot of teams in the East are better than them just from a potential standpoint roster-wise. 
And then there's this team we're going to get to later. The Indiana Pacers are honestly, they're a playoff team when they're healthy, just because of what they represent from top to bottom as a roster. And they just weren't there. Um, I think New York, they did a couple of things that were good. Added offensive firepower in the backcourt because let's be honest, Alfred Payton, um, he, he ain't enough uh, as a guard scoring. Um, and I think they got younger in the second unit with some draft selections they made. Deuce McBride, Obi Toppin could take that next up. And Emmanuel Quigley looked promising in the summer league. But I'm going to just keep it a buck. I mean, Julius Randle, he's basically a more athletic Pascal Siakam. I think his peak year was last year. And I think the Knicks acknowledged that by getting more offensive firepower around him to where he can be kind of more of a sum, a big sum of the parts instead of having to be the guy to help that team elevate as a talent. Um, I think it really comes down to Clemson said it best. R.J. Barrett has been solid. Now it's time for him to take that all-star caliber step. And I'm not saying he's got to be an all-star starter, but maybe he can be a guy that can get a roster spot as a rotational guy. His three-point shot has improved. Now we need to see versatility off the bounce, creativity, finishing-wise with both hands, not just utilize your left for everything. Um, they got an outside chance because, you know, Tom Thibodeau, he's going to coach his heart out, but – the East is tough. I mean, Pacers got better. I thought the Wizards kind of got better, as oddly as it sounds. And we just got to see what happens there. And the last team from the Atlantic Division, the Philadelphia 76ers. I mean, look, Ben Simmons is still on the roster. Why? I don't know. Um, he doesn't want to play with them anymore. And so it's really hard to see what Philly's going to be as a team because if they trade Simmons, you know Tyrese Maxey's going with him. I mean, he's a rich ball client. So that means they'll have a huge spot at the guard spot at point. Who's going to take that spot there? I'm going to start with Ace because he's passionate about this one. I can see it. Philly, for them to be a factor in the playoffs, where does it start for that franchise? I hate to say it because it make him sound like he's that valuable, but if they're going to be a staple, Ben got to stay. Ben got to stay. Although he doesn't want to, I think he has to come down off his high horse and acknowledge the situation for what it want to be. If, if, if you've been watching the news and all of that around him, um, everybody think it's a fear factor as to why he doesn't want to play in Philly anymore. Um, it's time you stop being scary, man up, accept your role. Because um, I feel like Philly could be a successful team. They could if he, I mean, just explore getting a shot. I'm I'm tired of seeing, you know, gym runs and everything else and you showing us these things that we don't see in, in season um, of what you could be. Of course, we know pickup ball is different from professional ball, but if they're going to be a staple, then you got to trade them because, one, no team is willing to trade away their valuable guard to get no shooting and just playmaking and, you know, fear of shooting back. So if they're going to be a staple, Ben has to stay, and they need to figure out their chemistry issues. So, Clem, A says Simmons has to stay for them to be successful. Really haven't heard anybody say that other than Skip Bayless. Uh, but, Clem, do you feel the same in terms of Simmons' value is to keep them in-house and try to make things work or lower down their trade value through the Sixers organization and accept the fact that you may have to sell low to get back more assets that coincide with your best player, Joel Embiid. Yeah, I, I think that uh, um, at this point, it's it's kind of like putting toothpaste back into the bottom. You know, 
everything is already can fix your face. All right. Don't do that. Let me let me finish talking. All right. So I think it's like putting toothpaste back into the bottle. It's hard. When you get it out, it's out, you know. Um, and then it doesn't help that Ben Simmons has been a very uh, thin skinned individual uh, throughout his career. He's not someone who necessarily wants to be coached to talk to a certain type of way. He wants to do what he wants to do. And he's like, well, I got third team all NBA and an all star appearance because of it. Um, I don't think it's going to work out. I think he needs a fresh new start. Fresh, uh, personally, I think the 76ers hands are tied right now. I think at the best. They have to hope that um, in their best world, Damian Lillard starts the season very slow and, you know, he asks out or Bradley Beal, something falls out with them and he asks out or um, a situation where, like you were just saying, where they would have to settle for less and trade for a D'Angelo Russell or maybe even a, um, well, I, shit, that, that might be, sorry, excuse my language. That might, that might be it. So I, I think that their back's against the wall right now, and um, it's best that Ben Simmons leaves the team and they start fresh and, and try to work things out. Darius, you've been king of the hard-on Ben Simmons movement. Um, I feel like he's been unsuccessful in basketball life professionally. Um, so do you feel like Philly should keep that toxic energy around or potentially make things not work by shipping him out and getting individuals in that can help Doc Rivers keep his job because he kind of is on the clock with the Sixers. Um, first of all, let's talk about the, the toxic and Ben Simmons. Um, Joel and B apparently there's something, some type of angst between them two. So the hands are tied. Like what, what can the Sixers do? Uh, on one hand, they're trying to trade Ben Simmons because he wants out clearly, but don't nobody want him. Um, and then on the other hand, if you keep him, then you got to worry about him trying to not play games, him bumping heads with Joel and B, a whole bunch of locker room trouble. As an organization, I think they probably in the worst place to be in. Uh, at this because it's not like they can't compete for a title. No one, no one has said that they can't compete for a title. It's just the fact that they have all of this talent but can't use it to win, you know, even if they wanted Ben Simmons to stay. Um, so everything, all of, their, all of their title chances are riding on what happens with Ben Simmons. If they keep him, does he start shooting or does he play at all? And like what Clem said, like, you know, uh, on the other hand, they would have to have to wait and get lucky so that they can get another superstar. You know, because as a as an NBA player, I don't know if you're in a losing situation. I wouldn't understand why you wouldn't want to go to Philly if they're just if they're right there. You know what I'm saying? So beyond that, Joel and B to have to stay healthy. You can't have no partial meniscus tears or whatever ACL tears in the, in the playoffs. Like dude is so talented, man. And, and they right there. I'm, I'm rooting for Philly, even though Jimmy Butler not there no more. I'm rooting for them. I want to see them win. I want to see Joel and B win. But it's really in the organization hands. Organization and Ben Simmons. Um, it sucks. Yeah, I think if Philly would have it, 
if they would have saw this foretelling in the future, I think if they had a redo, maybe when the season series ended against Atlanta, maybe Embiid and Doc Rivers don't talk about Simmons, even if he does deserve it. I think maybe if they're in the press conference and the reporters ask the messy questions, you say instead of, man, that dude cost us the game because he didn't shoot. Instead, you say, we all didn't play well. We all need to be better and we all will be better together. And then maybe Ben doesn't take it personal, be able to recoup and go from there. They didn't do that. Ben took it really, really hard, and he's just shut down. And I don't think his agent, Paul, I don't think Rich Paul doing him any favors either because now Rich Paul's got into his head making him think your stock is through the roof so you can continue to do this and somebody will take you because they're not. You know, the Blazers, they're all in with their squad. The Kings, they're all in with their squad. Um, Teams that have guards, Minnesota, was all in until they fired their GM. So maybe they might try to get Simmons. I don't know. But the guys that you wanted, their guards, they're all in. So now you're stuck with Simmons who doesn't want to play. And that compromises your team too because he's gone. Your your best defender's gone. A guy that averages 15 to 16 points, he's gone. And you don't have anybody taking that spot that does something. So Darius is right. You really have to rely on Joel Embiid to be healthy. And he can't. So now stuck and i kind of see philadelphia maybe having a down year because of it i think if the sixers want simmons to play this hoping ish is over i think you gotta kind if you can you gotta find him for missing games you gotta take 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 his paycheck if you know nobody's biting take his paycheck he'll gradually come back he might not be the professional that you need him to be but in the end you do own his rights you gave him an extension a couple years ago so you control where he can go it's just Maybe if they had decided to run it back all over again, they say things a little different and just go into the offseason trying to recoup. But they were done with him. He's done with him. And that's kind of where we are. But we'll see what happens with Philly there. In the Central Division, going to start with the Chicago Bulls. I'm going to let Darius go first on his squad. They're a team that's done a lot of reshuffling. It started with the trade deadline last season when they got Nikola Vucevic. Now it starts getting Lonzo Ball, who said he's going to be the point guard for the Bulls. He's going to finally be back at his traditional one spot in the league. DeMar DeRozan looked like he's going to be a small four. We'll see how that goes. But Billy Donovan still is the coach. So we'll see. Um, Darius, everybody's got the Bulls penciled in to make the playoffs. What will it take for those expectations to be fulfilled? Um, at this point, uh, chemistry and heart. Um. We need a we need a group of guys who can trust each other. You know, uh, you know, watching the past couple years, Zach Levine has notoriously been that guy who will just jack up a shot and a heartbeat. You know, but we're not working with the same team as before. I mean, I, although I did like Tomas Sadaransky, you know, but he has to realize that uh, Demar Derozan isn't Sadaransky. He has to be able to see the the talent and trust the talent in his teammates. And also we, uh, we need the bench to step up, you know, um, I'm a hundred percent confident in the starting five, if they can get their, uh, their chemistry up there, but, um, the bench, you know, we getting a, um, uh, what's, what's his last name? Uh, how do you pronounce his last name? Um, uh, Dosunmu, Ayo Dosunmu. Oh, Ayo. Um, yeah. I know, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
uh, Derrick Jones Jr. Um, so Derrick Jones Jr. really added what we needed off the bench. Because Patrick Williams, I have no doubt, is going to start at, at power forward uh, with him being uh, a primarily defensive kind of guy. But Derrick Jones Jr. coming off, you know, he, he played in Miami. Uh, I believe, did he play with Wade? During his last, during Wade's last? He did play with D-Wade. He did. So he played with D-Wade. He's played with Jimmy Butler. He's played with Andre Iguodala, you know, and Bam Bam. So he, he's played with enough guys who has exceptional talent to be able to come off the bench and do his job, hopefully. Um, beyond that, uh, whatever uh, contract uh, confusion is going on with uh, Zach Levine and the organization, uh, they got to get through that. They got to get through that because if we lose Zach Levine or if Zach Levine want to take the Ben Simmons route, we just got all of this talent for nothing. So um, it'll take all of that for, for us to even uh, think about being not at the bottom of the charts this season. Ace, fellow Illinois individual yourself, um, you've seen this talent that the Bulls have accumulated in the offseason. What will it take for them to fulfill a playoff berth? I think it's there. I mean, um, experience got to show itself. That's what I, that's my takeaway from it. Um, I'm not expecting much. I'm not expecting them to, you know, bulls and foes, not expecting that. But uh, I, I mean, I do see them as a perennial, you know, four or five seed in the East, should they stay healthy, should chemistry hits off correctly. Um, mostly five, I see them at a five season. But I just, it's, it's gonna come down to one experience, two, like Darius said, chemistry, and three, um, role players playing their role. That's what it's gonna come down to. Bulls have struggled with that. Um, certain role players became star players because they're in Chicago. Um so that that's that's what that's what it is for me. Clem, um you got Lonzo, he, he's in Chicago. He's gonna run that point spot for the Bulls. Um so he has a chance to kind of do what everybody expect him to do coming out of UCLA. But as a collective on that team, do you feel comfortable enough to feel like they are an Eastern Conference playoff squad? Um I actually have really high hope for the Bulls. I think it was um, very stupid for New Orleans to let go of Lonzo Ball. Um, I know you disagree, Ken Bowen. Um, I think that DeMar DeRozan coming over there and being that veteran presence is, um, is something that, that helps him out a lot because Lonzo's not the greatest half-court um, facilitator as a point guard. Um, but with Levine and DeRozan controlling that half-court offense, and even um, Nikola Vucevic, who I think is very underrated, he's a guy who – he's one of those guys who sneaks in the All-Star game all the time, and people never really realize it. So um, I think he's he's going to be a, a great piece. But they have four guys who have played in the league, know their roles, want to win, have been losing a majority of their career. Um, so – I think they're going to be hungry. I think they're going to come up 
And I'm going to safely say their floor will probably be six. I think their their, um, ceiling may be three. Might just be three. Because I think Miami has a chance to come out kind of slow just because Victor Oladipo is coming back from an injury. Well, we're not going to get into Miami, but I think, I think uh, Chicago has a chance to be anywhere between three and six. Yeah. For me, this smells like a six seeded team um, at best. I think kind of piggyback on what everybody said, it's going to come down to role and coaching adjustments. And I know Billy Donovan sucks at doing anything coaching wise that's adjustment wise. So I think that's what it's going to take there. Um, look, I'm just not so, on Lonzo Ball being a point guard in the half court in the NBA. I just haven't seen it. I think he's great in transition. I think he's great in lob opportunities, but they're going to ask him to kind of be the facilitator on that squad to kind of set up shot opportunities for DeRozan and for Levine. So if that doesn't work, does Donovan make the adjustment and let DeRozan be like a point forward? I don't know, but I think it's just going to come down to guys playing their roles. Levine has to accept that, you won't really have the ability to jack up 25, 30 shots because your team's not that bad. And DeRozan's on the squad. And so is Lucevic. And you have a point guard that can give you easier looks. And then the next step is defensively, are they going to do the little things to get added on that end? Um, we know what Patrick Williams and Lonzo represent as defenders, but Levine don't play defense and Lucevic kind of ole sometimes. So I think everybody buying into the role is going to help this squad be a potential postseason team. But the talent's there. The bench depth's there with Derrick Jones Jr. and Alex Caruso to boot. So it's just all about putting it all together and making it work. Up next, we got the Cavs. They've been horrible for a, a while. If LeBron's never been on Cleveland, they've sucked. Unless we're talking about the early, their late 80s, early 90s with Mark Price, Brad, Brad Dotery, and those guys. But they have a, a log jam in the front court. Um, they got Laurie Markkinen. They got him in a signing trade with the Bulls. They got Evan Mobley. They drafted him second overall. They have Jared Allen. He got a five-year, $100 million deal. Um, did I say Kevin Love's still on the team? No, but he's still on the team, too. I do not like Kevin Love. He's doing the most right now. But he's on the squad as well. So we're going to start with Darius. Darius, Cleveland, playoffs. I don't see it, but what would be a successful season for them with that log jam in their front court, and they're going all in when it comes to the Darius Garland, Colin Sexton backcourt. Um, first of all, what what did you mean by Kevin Love is doing the most? Um, so you guys heard, um, I think he was on the barbershop, you know, the LeBron James barbershop talk on HBO, and he talked about how the Jerry Colangelo, the goddess over USA basketball condemned him from coming to USA basketball out of shape, not ready to play. And that's why he cut him. And Love had the audacity to be like, that's not how you're supposed to talk about the veterans and the guys that are established in the NBA. You're not supposed to talk about them like they're trash. You're supposed to respectfully do X, Y, and Z. And I'm like, yo, Love, you're stealing money from the cast. You're getting paid to basically sit on a bench and do nothing. And then when you do play, you feel disengaged. My response to that is, why did you sign the extension? You could have easily said, nah, I'll go play somewhere else. So he's coming off as really entitled, kind of like how J.J. Redick was to end his tenure in the league before he retired, talking a lot, kind of like some privilege type stuff where it's like, yo, I'm such and such. I should be able to do boom, boom, boom. And it's like, slow your roll. 
And so I haven't really liked what that's done, what, what he's kind of made that out to be. Cleveland doesn't either. That's probably why they've loaded up in the front court at the four and five spots. So I don't really see Love getting a ton of run this season. But, you know, that's my little tidbit on him. Wow. Yeah, I didn't know that those things were said for one. <clears throat> and two, you're a pro athlete. You're supposed to show up to any tryout in shape to try out. I don't understand. Me. Okay. Um, for the Cavs to uh, make the playoffs this season, um, that's tough. I don't think they're a bad team on paper, but one, the locker room drama with Kevin Love, uh, clearly he doesn't want to be there. Uh, but at this point, who's really checking for Kevin Love? Um, I'm trying to remember. Uh, between Darius Garland and Kylan Sexton, that was a, it was a feud or something, wasn't it? Or was that between one of them in the organization? Not a few between those guys. I think the issue was Sexton getting paid. His rookie contract's up after this year. And they didn't want to give him an extension, understandably so, because ever since they've drafted him, he hasn't transformed the team into anything successful. And that's not on Colin, but he's not a player that, in my opinion, makes anybody better. Now, I do think he's improved his skill set. Coming to the league, he shoots a lot better from three. He's a more three-way versatile scorer. But that was the hang-up. They were going to probably trade Sexton, and maybe they still will. Maybe Sexton's a part of that trade package for Ben Simmons because Cleveland's interested in Simmons. Um, but until he's dealt, there's talks that they may give him an extension. So the beef is kind of Sexton getting paid, and that's between the organization, not with Garland. Was that was that the reason he said that, they, that the Cleveland Cavaliers treat them like slaves or something like that? I don't remember him saying that. But yeah. if he did, I could. It was I somebody. It it, I don't know if it was him, but it was somebody on the uh, on the Cavs. But um, so I don't think it's fair for them to put that on Colin for one. You know, transforming the team. Even Kyrie Irving wasn't able to do that. Um, how could any point guard? I was I was about to say something, but John Morant came in. It's not. It's not common for point guards to come in and change the whole outlook of the team, which is why Chris Paul is looked at as being so special. Um, first of all, their their core at this point, who would they core be like? Who do they depend on? Darius uh, Garland, Colin Sexton. Are they looking at Larry Marketing to to come in and be that provider on the offensive end because he's not a defensive player for one, but you know. Dude, they don't have an identity. And that's that's a huge problem. They don't have an identity. When Brown was there, it was defend the land because this is where he's from. This is his second run at it. We know we ain't got long, you know. Uh, so they, you know, they kind of shifted their way into that grind hard kind of identity. But now, what? <laughs> so I, I really don't see them even making the playoffs, man. Like, I don't really see them making much improvement since last year because a team without an identity is nothing. You know? Oh, that's my take. Yeah, I'm going to go to Clem next. I will say this. I think it was unfair to say, will the Cavs make the playoffs? So, with Clem, for you, what's the best 
form of a season for the Cavs. Like, obviously, I thought Darius said the best. They don't really have an identity right now. So best case for them this year is to form one, for better or worse, or what, in your eyes? Um, I think um, I think they already they're already on the right track. I think they may want to get rid of Sexton and get a more legitimate two, because I think Garland is a better point guard, and I think that's the guy they should go with for um, moving forward, especially with uh, that two two big lineup that they have with uh, Mobley and um, um, what's his name. Uh, Jared Allen. Jared Allen. And then they got marketing as well. So that was an interesting uh, pickup. I don't know exactly what they plan to do with that. Probably package him and and um, and Sexton together. And maybe they can get a, a star. Maybe they can even get um, Simmons. So it's, it's likely. But I think all they need to do here is just develop Mobley and see if that, um, that two big – lineup can work with him and uh why well, i keep drawing a blank on this man's name uh, jared allen but jared allen. Jared allen. yeah um yeah it, it just established those two and then the um and then sex uh not sex and garland at the one ace ace last but not least what is your take on the Cavs in terms of what would be a successful season for them in 2021 uh when we say success what what are we what what exactly are we saying here? Because I mean, what's I don't I mean they're ceiling I think tenth, eleventh in the <laughs> east. I don't see them doing much. Um, I mean, in order to make some noise, I mean, Clem said get rid of Sexton, see where that goes. But I mean, one of those like when we talked before, it's just one of those. We don't spend too much time on. We'll, we'll see where they go. Yeah, and I won't spend as much time on them either. I'm going to be brief about it. Uh, I think for them personally, just form an identity. Um, and I think form an identity means uh, keep your talented in-house players in. And if you don't like your talented play, uh, players that are in-house, try to mortgage them for other guys that can provide an aspect of a winning culture. I think the most important thing is get rid of Kevin Love. He's annoying. He's doing nothing. He's providing nothing. He's a waste of space. He's a waste of time. So move him, buy him out, do whatever you have to do, you know, ship him off somewhere and decide what you want to do with Sexton. If you want Sexton to kind of be your two guard with Garland and have that Portland Trailblazers S backcourt that we all know has not worked, then do that in the East. If not, ship him to possibly get Simmons. Um, and I think Simmons on that team could kind of provide a level of defensive identity that they haven't had since LeBron left. And honestly, just go from there. Up next, um, Detroit. Oh, the, oh, there you, you got something to say. The slavery comment was made by Kevin Porter Jr. Gotcha. I was thinking that right when you was like, who is it? I was like, it was probably KPJ, which is why he isn't there anymore. He had a lot going on mentally, but, you know, teach his own. Uh, Detroit, the Pistons, led by Dwayne Casey. They got the number one overall pick. They got Kay Cunningham. He's special, as we saw in summer league. I think the thing that popped off for me, he gets after it defensively. And uh, this is probably going to be a defensively oriented team. But they've got a lot of things that they got to figure out in Detroit because they have a lot of overlapping talents that are there. So uh, biggest move that they made, they traded Sekou Duboyer to the Nets and got something back. I don't really know what they got back. But, um, Clem, I'm going to start with you. Detroit. 
Um, playoffs, is that a possibility? If not, what's the best thing they can do? Hell no. Hell no. No, stop it. All right, they just got the number one pick. They're not going to the playoffs. This is not the 1980s with when they used to draft at the top. But um, they got they got talent though. Um, one of the best things I like about um, the league this year is every team. I think even at, like the terrible teams, um, Orlando, Cleveland. Like I'm anxious to to see their top level talent. Like I think this draft did a good job of. Um, balancing things out for the next three to five years. But um, their job right now is just to get K com- comfortable in the NBA. That's, that's really about it. And they got some nice pieces that they, that they are developing over there. Sadiq Bay, um, as well as Isaiah Stewart. Um, Dumbaya, Dun- you say he just got traded though, right? Got traded to the Brooklyn Nets. I think that's a nice little pickup for Brooklyn for their bench. Yeah, um, but I understood a... why they traded them though. I did. Okay. Well, yeah, they're they're they'll be 13, 14, 15 in the East throughout the, the year. But um, I just think they need to focus on developing Cade and making him comfortable to keep him for the long term. Darius, your thoughts on Detroit. Um, I know historically noted rival between Detroit and Chicago. Detroit's not there right now. But what do you see for them this year in terms of being successful? Man, that's that's tough. <laughs> like our real life just had to look at the roster. They not. I'm sorry, y'all. They not making the playoffs. Like, like Clem said, they just got the number one pick. They're not going nowhere. I mean, even though it, they they have some some great names on the roster, but. It's still a dumpster fire over there. They don't, again, they don't have an identity, you know, and even even Chicago don't have an identity, but we just got in a, in a more, in a better, much better position, you know, so maybe we can form one, but I don't think there's a hope for Detroit, maybe in the next couple of years. So, Ace, um, Clement and Darius say the hopeless abyss is in Motown, known as the Detroit Pistons. Do you concur with that statement? I definitely concur with that. There ain't much to talk. We, this is just like Cleveland, man. Best of luck to you, K. Cunningham, on your rookie season, big dog. But uh, we'll see you down the road about two, three, four years, maybe. We ain't got to talk too much about Detroit. I will say this for the Pistons. Give them a little sliver of hope. They do have an identity. I think they'll be a really good defensive team this season. Anytime your best player um, coincides with your coach's thought process, which is defense first, you're in a good place, and K, he gets after it. Um, I think the biggest thing that they're going to have to focus on this year to decide the trajectory of their team, can Killian Hayes and K Cunningham coexist together? In the summer league, it did not look like they coexisted together very well. Killian is not an off-ball scorer, and I think he's productive enough to where if K does decide to dominate the basketball, it'll work. Um, but outside of that, I mean, I like the front court. Sadiq Bey and Isaiah Stewart can do it, but like all you guys said, they're about a couple years away. Um, it's going to be a process, but they got a star caliber player that they can build with, and they can honestly go from there. Um, next up, the Indiana Pacers. They're a unique team, and I'm going to let, you know, Ace kind of do his thing with the Pacers first, but I'm going to give a little background on who they are. Um, so Miles Turner, uh, Demonis Sabonis, they make up their front court. Rick Carlisle is now their head coach, so obviously he's going to bring that defensive identity over there. 
when healthy, this is a top five team in the East roster wise. I think we can all agree on that, but they haven't really been healthy for a couple of years. They've went through a couple of coaches. Nate McMillan's no longer there. Nate Bjorn's no longer there. So they got Rick Carlisle. Pacers, Ace, success for that franchise is what this season? I think um, should Karis LeVert stay healthy, everything falls in his favor. Um, Sabonis is solid. Um, Miles Turner is who he is. I like him. They one of those like sleeper teams, but given given the identity of the East right now, um, with some some competition over there, I see the Pacers being a high playing team. Like not one of those that it's probably like one of them. Like dang, they really shouldn't be, but you down there with them. And that's because you play Brooklyn four times. You play Milwaukee four times. You you, you know, you play some of these top-tier teams four times. So, well, you know, I, I see them being a high-playing team, if not solid six or seven. Darius, um, Indiana, historically, they've let it be known as a franchise. They're content with being a mediocre playoff team. Do you see that status quo for that franchise continuing in 2021? You a smooth dude, Ken. <laughs> you a smooth dude, bro. Uh, <clears throat> I I like the Pacers. Um, uh, what what year was that? My when Miami went to the finals. Um, if it wasn't Miami, I was I was rooting for Indiana. Unfortunately, they had to meet, but Indiana, I feel like they have the pieces to be. Uh, uh, a good playoff team. I don't think they're anywhere close to the finals, though. I think that they're one of those teams like uh, like the Wizards was back in 2014. You know, uh, good enough to make probably the second round, but y'all, y'all, years or players like superstars away from getting um, to the finals again. Clem, do you share the same rhetoric as these two gentlemen up top? Yeah, I, I don't think they're making the second round. I think they're – I have them I, – I went ahead and made a, my standings for the year, but I have them at nine right now. I think they're going to get in to the play-in, and they're going – they may win a game. They may get to the second round. But wherever they end up, I think they're going to be out in the first round. Um, they have – a good collection of talent, Brogdon, LaVert, um, uh, Miles Turner, Sabonis. I think if TJ Warren comes back and, you know, can play the three healthily, um, that's a solid five. But just the problem is in today's NBA, well, in any NBA era, the top guys win. They don't have any guys who are, like, over the top. It kind of reminds me a lot of those um, Atlanta Hawks team, you know, and as good as jo- Joe Johnson was, he was never one of the, like, he was maybe a third all NBA type guy, but he was never that, you know, first or second, you know, top guy. And you got to have those guys in, in today's NBA to, to get out the first round, especially um, the way the East is packed now. So I, I can see them making the play in game and, and that's it. 
all right, all right, all right. Darius exited. He had to go. Um, but but the Pacers, um, I feel like they're a quality team. They're a solid team. I think if healthy, they're a top probably five team in the East. I do feel like though it's gonna come down to um health. You know, Miles Turner stays hurt and he's been hurt a lot early in his career ever since he got that extension. And so when he's there, which is the main reason why Carlisle wanted him to be there, he's their fort defensively, their fortifier. Um, I think, you know, health is a huge thing, but I think we all can admit they don't have an all-star caliber talent. I don't say all-star, they do. They don't have an all-NBA talent that could get them to the top. So I think for them, stay healthy, stay consistent, stay solid. They can get in. I think what the Pacers have going for them is they saw teams like and I'm not comparing them to these teams, but they saw teams like the Suns and the Hawks, who not a lot of people thought could reach the levels they did last year, but they did. And they did so behind quality coaching, health forbidding, and then developing an identity that they stuck to throughout the season heading into the postseason. So maybe they're thinking with Carlisle, he can do that for them, but it's health. I mean, the coach can do so much if the players are there, but if they're not there, then there's so much he can do. Also figuring out that wing spot. TJ Warren and Jeremy Lamb are still on the team, I think. So just being able to figure out who can be a legitimate three for them for, would go a long way. Last team in the Central Division, the champs, the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, a lot of people said they got the ring because of injuries, because of luck was on their side. I think we can agree some luck was for them, but they're the champs nonetheless. Bring back the same squad. I know a lot of people overblew P.J. Tucker going to Miami. But he's no longer there. But you do get back Dante DiVincenzo. And to replace, Tuck, replace Tucker, you get Grayson Allen, who with the Grizzlies averaged almost 11 a game, shooting pretty well from three. So you got that there, to say the least. Um, Ace, with the Bucks, success story for them. Is it them repeating or is them at least kind of taking the Toronto approach when they want to chip, which is let everybody know if we don't win, you have to go through us and we're a legit team? Um. I got more respect for him than I did Toronto. I got him uh, Eastern Conference Finals bound again. Um, it'll be a real, you know, showdown this time. Contingent on Brooklyn staying completely healthy this time around. But <clears throat> um, I do think there'll be ECF bound. I don't see no comp, really. And I know they're part of that, you know, that – monster in the east when it comes to them in Brooklyn so they'll have to go through each other you know to get to the chip so um I don't want to completely just say that it was a fluke based off of injuries because Giannis went out and got what was his I mean it was one of the greatest finals performances I've witnessed um so yeah with the injuries was on their side but they know how to rally their troops and and be a team so <laughs> Uh, East Prince in you know, contingent on health. I mean, they could go back to the finals. They could not. So we'll see. Clem, do you share the same reasoning as Ace? Yeah, I think the Bucks are a powerhouse. I think that, um, you know, just like everyone else, the Nets versus the Bucks is probably going to be the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, I think I think they have a a pretty good chance of beating the the. Um, the Nets again, but that's just because I personally um, don't know how much I trust Kyrie Irving and the health of their team, uh, just looking at their age. But the Bucks are bringing back DiVincenzo. People talk about the injuries a lot, but they missed their starting backcourt 
um, with DiVincenzo the entire playoffs, damn near. So um, that's, I think, is going to be somewhat of an addition. Drew Holiday is going to be, you know, having a full year there now. Um, yeah, and I think Giannis is going to play carefree, which is going to be scary as hell because he already is a, a freak. So um, I think he's only going to get better. I won't be surprised if if they go back-to-back as champs. Yeah, it's crazy. It feels like they're the underdogs this season and they won a championship. I, I feel like that's the level of kind of disrespect a lot of NBA fans and pundits have had on them a little bit this offseason. But, you know, I think for them personally, just continuing to build off of last season is the best thing that they can do. Um, Giannis finally turned the corner as a winner. I think a lot of people knew uh, he was a great talent, but he couldn't get it done in the playoffs, and then he did. And I think the culmination was game six, finals drop 50 drop Mike, walk out, take the MVP trophy with you. So um, I think just continuing to build off of that is important. Um, and just a little bit more consistency from Chris Middleton could go a long way. I think I'm tired of really in the postseason him going incognito for a stretch. And it's just relying on Giannis to pick up the pieces and, and do it himself to elevate that team to the top. So consistency from him is important. And then, you know, Mike Budenholzer, adjusting I think a little better I don't think he really adjusted at all in the playoffs it just he just lucked up and was able to win because Giannis wanted it that bad and he was such a mismatch but I do I will say this I think a promising thing is Giannis's jump shot was turning the corner no he'll probably never have a three-point shot like a Kawhi but if he can operate in the mid post and get the Kobe fadeaway and get a couple hook shots and a couple turnarounds with both shoulders I'll do it. I'll do it because now he's unstoppable in the low block. You have to double him. And out of doubling him out of the block, it gets wide open shots for Holiday and Middleton. So um, I think that's what the Bucks really need to do. Just build on last year. They're fine. Um, I think they'll take it even personal that they're the 100. And I think that's going to go a long way. Um, Southeast, last division in the East before we head to the West, the Atlanta Hawks. You know, Clint got the shirt on. You know, he was down there in the summer league. Uh, reporting about him. I know he had a great time, and y'all just talked to Trey Young and tell Trey Young I was sleeping on him. But, you know, Hawks, they're a team that's going to compete in the East for sure. You know, Trey Young and John Collins were able to lock up extensions, culminating how successful of a draft that was for the Hawks. They get Collins and Young in two different classes. Clem, for Atlanta, they went to the conference finals last year. Is a success story doing the same thing, or is it just being able to make the playoffs yet again and building off of what they did last season? Yeah, they're kind of getting off to that um, that Celtics-ish um, run where they overachieved very early. So it's like anything below the Eastern Conference Finals is going to probably be looked at as lesser than. Um, I have them number four in the East um, starting the year. And... Man, it's going to be so tough because I think it's just going to be hard to repeat that because they dodged the Bucks, they dodged the Nets. Um, and even I thought if they would have played Miami in the first round, I think Miami would have sent them home. Um, but I think they got very good matchups for them early on. The Knicks, I called that they were going to beat them. Um, and I don't know. I just don't think they they – get to the Eastern Conference Finals because I feel like they're going to have to play either the Bucks, the Nets, or um, 
or the uh, the Celtics maybe even, or even the Heat. And I think all three of those, all four of those teams can beat them in the seven-game series. Ace, your thoughts on Atlanta? Um, do they have to live up to that conference finals appearance that they had last year, or should they just go about the season making a playoff appearance as being the gold standard for them? Um, I think last year they bit off more than they could chew. And I say that in the context of – I say that in the context of uh, really because who really projected them to go that far last year? So it's like you bit off more than your, you know, more than your projection was. So now it's like I'm not really – I'm not expecting – I'm not expecting that of you. I'm not expecting that of you at all. I'm, a, I'm in agreement with Clem. Um, they're, they're going to have to see one of those top tier teams if, if they're going to do something and you're not beating Brooklyn, you're not beating Milwaukee. Um, I'm with them. You don't, you're not beating those Miami teams. I'm so, I'm not sold on Atlanta. I mean, a playoff appearance is golden for them right now until, you know, later years when they, if they build around Trey and get something strong around them. So that's, that's how I feel about Atlanta. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, before I continue with this, um, we're going to cut this episode a little bit short in terms of we're going to finish the East and then have a Western Conference segment uh, another time, probably sometime next week. But for the Hawks, um, I think the best thing that they can do as a franchise is aim for a top seed because by aiming for a top seed, maybe you can avoid a Brooklyn or Milwaukee or a Miami. And I think they're probably going to be one of those teams that's going to pursue a top seed in the conference because they're younger. And they'll be able to play those back-to-backs a lot more productively as a unit and go from there. Um, I think the best thing that they could really – well, the best thing that they got going for them is they're younger. Well, they're still young, but they got depth. I think the biggest thing they missed against Milwaukee was a backup point guard. Chris Dunn was not it. Every time he was on the floor, he was fumbling the basketball. He was not really operating the offense with the second unit productively. Everybody looked out of sorts. So you got a Sharif Cooper who I think will get valuable minutes that can – operate that Nate McMillan offense productively when uh, Trey Young isn't there. And I think you'll be able to get the best out of that. But um, try to get a top seed because I think if they get a top seed, you'll probably avoid a Brooklyn and Milwaukee because they're the top three. I think after that, they could beat a Miami that's older and offensively limited, I think, at times because, you know, Hero and Robinson don't shoot, don't really do anything outside of shooting in catch and shoot situations and then everybody else from behind. So, I think aim for top C for Atlanta, they do that. I think things will work out for them in that context specifically. Uh, the Charlotte Hornets are next. Um, they were a playing team a year ago, and now um, the sky kind of is somewhat the limit. Um, I feel like they have a lot of tweeners on their team that they're going to expect to get better. I have Miles Bridges probably needing a most improved season for them to live up to that. So with the Hornets, um, A start with you. Is a postseason berth, is that an acceptable appearance for that team? Or is it going to take – well, is that an acceptable thing for them personally? It is. It's acceptable. I mean, with that roster and in the conference that they're in, it's not really high expectations. It's kind of like a dumbed-down Atlanta situation. Um, I feel like if they get there and actually compete, I'm not expecting you to win out. 
and I expect you to be, you know, win a series or anything like that. But I do think they can get there. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not it's not too much I can say about Charlotte. I mean, I know it, it, they're a fun team to watch, and they're still developing. They're still young. Um, so I mean, it, it, it's like you just wait for them. Fold. I'm not I'm not putting too much on them this season. Clem, uh, Charlotte was a weird team. Uh, at one point, it looked like maybe they easily uh, get into the playoffs, and then they had a slide, and then they were in the play-in, and they got bounced pretty quickly by Indiana. Is a success story for that Hornets squad to possibly make it outside the play-in or just be a playoff factor overall? Um, I think what happened with them uh, last season is regression to the mean. Um, they started off really hot, but over time, you know, the veterans were getting healthy and it was getting to the playoff time. And, you know, when when the vets need to win, they usually find a way to win. Um, I have the number 11 finishing in the in the Eastern Conference this year. I think they'll they'll be right outside that play in. Um, but I think this is going to be the last year that they're not in the playoffs. Um, I think Rozier. Uh, ball and bridges like that's a, a solid three man um I guess leading to lead the team but I think they're gonna need some other pieces to like they're gonna need a solid big Cody Zeller was not cutting it last year and PJ Washington the solid solid uh you know starter in the NBA but I mean who knows he went through a lot this offseason praying for that boy um so hopefully hopefully uh <laughs> Hopefully he he comes back with um his head fully in it and I can see them finishing eleven, but I don't think they're gonna make the playoffs this year or the play in. Yeah, I think for the Hornets, uh, for them to be a playoff team that doesn't have to worry about the play in, a lot has to go right. I feel like Melo has to be an all star. I feel like Miles Bridges needs to win most improve, and then I also feel Gordon Hayward Gordon Hayward needs to stay healthy. Um, I, I think all. Right. I think Hayward staying healthy is unlikely. He's injury prone at this point of his career. Melo making the all-star team is somewhat obtainable, but he's going to have to go superhuman because just popularity alone, I don't think it's going to let him get in. And then Miles Bridges actually before the season ended, I think last 10 games was averaging 21 points a game. So if he could continue. And, and I, the last thing I remember about Bridges was he was the only one playing well in that playing game where they got blown out by Indiana. Like, he came with the energy, and he was playing well. Everybody else kind of just faded to black. So I, those things are going to have to happen because they have a lot of tweeners on their team that kind of play the same position. So for those guys to separate themselves from each other, I think an individual has to arc, arc out his niche on what he provides for the team. I think if Bridges can become a dependable scorer near the 20-point range, that's cool. If Hayward can be a solid veteran piece that's healthy, that's fine. And then I think Melo, if he can put it all together as a scorer and a playmaker, that's cool. I think they're a fun team to watch. I think the issue is they have a lot of guys on their team that are tweeners, like I stated, and they're very erratic. So, and their play styles are erratic because of that. So Rozier can have a night where he scores 40, but then he'll also have a night where he scores eight. So just need that balance, I think, for the team overall. If they're able to get that, they should be fine. But I just stated they're going to need individuals to play superhuman for them to get a solid spot in the east in the playoffs if not i think they're a customary play in for sure uh, the miami heater next um sean is not here to talk about his team so it's unfortunate but we'll pick up the rings and do it for him uh they got kyle lowry 
on their squad. So now they have their little big three with Adebayo, Butler, and Lowry. Clem, this Heat team underachieved last year immensely. Um, in the bubble, they made it to the conference. Well, made it to the finals, actually. And then outside the bubble, they got bounced in the first round, swept. What are they as a franchise? And moving forward, do they need to win a playoff series for it to be deemed successful, or is this just who they are? No, I I think um, they have to win a playoff series. If they if they get bounced in the first round again, I think some major things are going to change. Um, I mean, it was already bad enough that they lost this way, but at least it was to the Bucks who ended up winning the championship, and they did go to the finals. Like what four months prior to that um so i understand why they got off to a bad start jimmy butler was hurt a lot and i, I think they took it for granted it was kind of one of those oh yeah we'll get it together at, at the end of the season and a lot of those teams were jockeying for position you know and the hawks you know finished it well down the stretch and was able to get a better seed than them hence that's why they were able to play the knicks i think if they played the knicks last year they get out the first round and maybe make another run, but the Bucks came with it. And um, the addition of Kyle Lowry, I think, puts them at least talent and experience, at least in the top four, at the least. Um, so I think whether they end up in the top four or not, I think I have them finishing what I have here. Uh, a seven, just because of um, injuries, I think that, Kyle Lowry is getting up there in age. And I think Jimmy as well is, I don't know. I, I feel like he, after that finals run, I, I I think his head is a little big. Like, honestly, I think he's like, no, we like that. You know what I'm saying? We, we gonna, we gonna get it together when we need to. So I think they'll finish seventh. Um, but I think, I don't know. I, I think they need to get out the first round though. I'm gonna leave it at that. Ace, uh, Miami, they were so disappointing last last season. They got swept and they got embarrassed. It felt like every game after game one. Um, do you see this team fulfilling its postseason potential or is this just who they are moving forward? I said it before, I'll say it again. It's a cute little second round exit. Um, they'll make it out the first round, contingent on air, you know, I think the X factor is going to be big. It falls on Victor Oladipo. That's going to be the X factor. I think if um, Spolstra puts him at a, you know, respectable six man, don't don't start him. Don't overdo it. Um, let that be your X factor playing into your games and stuff like that. And Mr. Hero, if you can find a solid game and prove that your rookie year wasn't a fluke and become a solid shooter, they'll be fine. It'd be it'd be a respectable second round exit. But that's as far as they, that's as far as that goes. That's the ceiling that I have for them. Hero's credit numerically actually did have a better rookie season, but in the playoffs, he went from averaging 15 again to nine and he shot 29% from three. It's unacceptable. He looked horrendous. I don't think we really need to pontificate off of that even more. Um, I think with Miami, I think you guys are right. Um, I think they're a second-round team. I think the worst thing that happened for them is they got the Bucks first. And the Bucs had it on their mind how they lost and how they got embarrassed and how everybody made fun of them. So I feel like Giannis, I think, improved. I think the Bucs built their team to beat Miami because that's the last team that beat them. And they got Miami first, and they destroyed them. And they did that really with Lopez 
bullying Bam Adebayo, which I don't think anybody saw coming, and them operating Giannis more closer to the paint. And because the Heat are a much undersized team, Milwaukee finally played big against a littler opponent, and they demolished him because of that. They didn't really change the height factor, so they are who they are. I think Oladipo coming off the bench, I think at this point of his career, that's the best thing happening for him. I don't think you can rely on him to do anything more because his body isn't going to hold up to that. Um, Kyle Lowry being there helps leadership-wise. But I think for this team, it's going to come down to Robinson and Hero doing more. We know you're good shooters. Provide some aspect of scoring offensively that isn't three-point-esque. Move it out of the basketball for some cuts, for some baskets. Maybe operate a little bit more in the post. Hero has off-ball ability. He needs to work on that. Hopefully he has and utilize it in the game because if you're just a spot-up shooter in the NBA, you can be neutralized because people don't have to leave you. Like, they can just stay on you and close out you very hard. So I think that's really what Miami needs to hope for. Their shooters have to develop more aspects to their game for that team to be successful because from a roster standpoint, it's the same team from the bubble. They're undersized, so out of bio, as much as he can add to his game, he's still undersized at the five spot, and they need everybody else offensively on the perimeter to give them more, and then I think from there they'll be fine. Uh, two more teams left before we wrap this segment up on the Eastern Conference. Uh, the Washington Wizards. I feel like Westbrook, even though he isn't there, I think they kind of got a little better as a team, but I'm going to start with Ace with the Wizards. Um, Is this team playoff? worthy are they playoff potential or do you see this squad being a team that flames out and lives in the lottery once again they'll be playing um top tier playing i feel like washington will be battling with like the the indianas of the world um i don't think uh the ceiling is too high um it's not enough around Bill in order to make them just a powerhouse in the East or to advance them as a solid playoffs, you know, contender. And should they get there, um, it's a first round exit. <laughs> I'm, I'll just keep it a bug. It's a first round exit. Um, I like the addition of Spencer Dinwiddie. I like, you know, what was going on there, but it's not enough front court presence um, to compete in my opinion. Um, I, I just – I'm not sold on Washington. So, we'll see. Clem, uh, the Wizards, in a way, cleaned house and then filled it back up again. Westbrook's not on the team anymore, but they got Dinwiddie. They got Montrez Harold and Kyle Kuzma in that Laker hole. Um, they were able to pick up Aaron Holiday in the trade with Indiana. Uh, is this team good enough to be in the playoffs? Yeah, I think um, Ace – hit it right on the head. I actually wrote them down as number 10 and the Pacers number nine. So I think they'll be in that playing game. Um, I can see them going home or I can see them advance into the second round, but I can also see them going home if they even get into the playoffs. So I think they'll win the first game and then lose to whoever is the eight seed in the second game. Um, but, you know, Brad Beal is, is, too good of a score for them not to be in that conversation for the playing. Um, I think Spencer Dinwiddie is going to be a great addition and probably a better um, uh, better fit with Beal than Russell. Um, so I think that's going to go well, but he is coming off of a season-ending injury and hasn't played, you know, under the whistle in over a year. So 
I think it's going to take him, you know, at least half the season to really get to where he used to be. Um, but they they got some solid depth. I think Kuzma's going to get a chance to show himself uh, outside of the Lakers spotlight. Thomas Bryant was somebody that went down for them early in the year towards ACL, another former Laker. Um, and I think, you know, he was he was averaging a double-double, I'm pretty sure. So I think he's going to pick up where he left off. Montrez Harrell coming in and – uh, whether they bring him off the bench, I think that'll probably be best. Um, yeah, they, they have like nine legit NBA players, not to mention Rui Hachimura, not to mention their uh, first round draft pick from last year. I think he's, I can't remember his name, but he's six, eight European guy who had some, some solid games. Um, I think they'll be able to go deep. I think they'll be able to make the play in game, but I can see Brad Beal finally cutting ties and, and, you know, putting that trade request in at the end of either either before the All-Star break or at the end of the season. Yeah, I don't know about Beal doing all that. He sniffs up a new mellow where it's all about the bread and nothing else. Um, for the Wizards, yes, I do feel like they have a roster that's playoff caliber. I feel like they got a lot better. I do think it comes down to the scoring balance that Jim Witte and Beal have as a starting backcourt. They can get buckets, but I think they're going to have to do a better job of being facilitators and making sure everybody else on their team is involved. I think they found something at the five spot with Daniel Gafford. He was kind of a revelation in the playoffs when they played Indiana and it, it, it was successful. It worked out for him. So um, I think starting him at the five over Thomas Bryant is the way because of the defensive upside. I think they got to figure out and hope that whenever Rui Hachimura comes back, he continues to add on to his game. But they're a deep team, and I, I think they'll get the best out of Kyle Kuzma, too. Um, I think what's going to hurt them for being a legit postseason team is Bradley Beal is talented, but I don't think he makes anybody better. And I think that's going to be the thing he's going to have to prove this year. If he can make the team better, then they're probably a six seed. They don't even have to worry about the plan. But if he's about his stats, averages 30, there's no, way, there's no reason why he should average 30. He needs to average 25. If you average 25 and then everybody else kind of fills out from there, that's good enough. If you average is 30, it's got to be because everybody's decimated with injuries. So I think that's the best thing the Wizards are going to have to hold for in that realm. And then last but not least, the Orlando Magic. Um, they are a team that was coming off of a top 10 selection. They're still in rebuilding stage. It feels like the rebuilding end is not going to get achieved at all. Uh, Ace with the Magic, um, a successful season isn't going to be them making the playoffs because they're not going to get there. But what do they need to figure out moving forward for them to be back in the Eastern Conference picture? Um, to get back in the Eastern Conference picture, um, I'm going to say the key to their season right now, because, I mean, you hit it right on the nose. I'm not seeing playoff contention. Um Kind of what similar to what we said about Detroit. Make Jalen Suggs solid. Um, get him acclimated to the NBA. I like Jalen. Jalen is 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 a is a solid player, solid wing player. Um, I think he's gonna be a great scorer in this league. But um while playoff contention is not, I think just their focus, what needs to be on their dry erase board in the locker room is growth. Um, growth and you know, continue this rebuild and look on to seasons to come to become playoff contenders. 
Clem, um, and you probably gonna touch base on it too. Uh, Mo Bamba has been on the Magic for a while, and it doesn't feel like he's done anything. Is that the guy that they need to figure out how he'll fit into this rebuild moving forward? Because he has the talent. Now he's gonna get the opportunity to start and potentially showcase it. Yeah, um, I think he he may be better suited as a backup for this team. Um, I know they drafted him pretty high, so they might not want to do that. But I think Wendell Carter in today's age is a better center. He's better at the center than he is at power forward. Um, and he has some pretty good games down the stretch for them. Um, but uh, initially, I, I, I thought I was going to put them in the same category with the Pistons. But I don't know. I think they between them, nah, they might be a step under the Hornets and Raptors. But I don't know. I think they got some pieces. I think if Jonathan Isaac can come back um, and play the three solid and then they have um, Wendell Carter Jr. and then Jalen Suggs. Nah, they're going to be bad. Let me let me keep it a buck. They're going to be bad. They're going to be bad. But I think it'll be a good a good project. <laughs> I think they need to figure out who's going to be their starting point guard and if uh, Jalen Suggs can be a combo guard because they still have Fultz. Um, they still have Cole Anthony. Um, you know, J. Cole might make the team. Hopefully not. Um, yeah, but they got a three three point guards on the team that I think are all better suited at the the one. So um, I think they need to figure that out. And like you said, whether they're going to put uh, Mo Bamba at the center or if they're going to go with uh, Wendell Carter Jr. Yeah, I think this rebuild is contingent on Yes, making sure Jalen Suggs is acclimated, like A said, to the game um, and making sure he's able to be a factor for the team. But I think the biggest aspect is trying to see what is Mo Bamba as a talent, as an NBA prospect. We really weren't able to see that because they drafted him, but then they followed that up by giving Vucevic an extension. So he's been you know, on the show for a couple of years in terms of fulfilling his talent. Now we'll get to see that. And then the other aspect is the guard spot. They got Markel Fultz, who I thought played really well for them before mm-hmm. he injured himself early in the year. And they got Cole Ansley, who struggled to really get acclimated to the game. And now you got Suggs. I think for them moving forward, the best case scenario is Cole Anthony and Suggs. But if Cole Anthony continues to struggle with the pace of the NBA game and Markel Fultz continues to show he can hold down that lead guard spot, maybe you could roll with Fultz and sucks and just really convince folks to extend his range. But, you know, Orlando's in a tough spot. It's a rebuilding stage for them moving forward. I think they're going to, they're going to be a team that's going to take a while to get better because they have to decide what their identity is. And they also have to decide who's going to really be the centerpiece at the key positions. Who's going to be their point. Who's going to be their five. We know their wing is Isaac. He just has to stay healthy, but they're longer athletic, they're versatile. So I think they will be a pretty decent defensive team, but from there, you know, they got to figure out everything else. They're in the East, which used to be a good thing, but the East is deep now. So now you're going to be playing catch up with everybody else. But I think the ownership knows it's going to be a four or five year process and they're going to have time. So I think really around that third years where we can kind of honestly judge them. If they haven't got better and it's been three years, then I think people can be like, hold up, what's going on in Orlando? Um, with that, it's the end of episode 30 the independent Intel podcast we're going to do the east and the west but you know we got live so we're just going to do the east for now um before i leave you know with this clem ace how you guys like this segment and 
talk about the points you want to delve into in the West when we do episode 31. Um, Clement, you want it? You want Clement? Go, go, go ahead, bro. Do you think? All right, all right. Man, looking forward to the West. Um, of course, LA hopeful. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely um, looking forward to talking about them. Talking about the actual projection of uh, the Clippers, um, what they got going on. Um, I've actually broke the West down into, you know, different tiers. So I can't wait to talk about it. Um, this segment was great. I feel like uh, there's some, some good points that were made. But, um, yeah, man, we on, on to the West West segment. Yeah, I think the West is going to be really fun. Uh, it's always a great time. Um, so much competition in the West, man. Uh, I can't wait to talk yeah. about uh, Cambuis, Kings, and where they're going to land. Uh, I got them number number 11 right now, just to let you know. Um, but now I can't wait to talk about the Kings, the Pelicans, and the Wolves. I think all three of them are going to be jockeying for that 10th seed to get into the play-in. Um, but I also really want to talk about the Nuggets and the Clippers because I think that when both teams are fully healthy, they're championship contenders with Kawhi and Jamal Murray in that squad. Uh, but without those two being there half of the year or even longer for Kawhi, um, you know, that I, I think the Clippers, I have the number eight right now. You know, they might fall fall down really oh, low. Shit. Yeah, um, I think the Nuggets will hold it down and be a top four seed just because Jokic is established, Gordon's established, Michael Porter Jr. I think is going to take another step. But, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be it's going to be a hot topic. I can't wait. Yeah, man, can't wait for that. Either the West is going to be probably the best one. I mean, I did say the East is getting up there with the talent, you know, pool there. But West variety of teams we could talk about, the L.A. teams, Denver, um, the Portland situation. Uh, you know, I'm high on Sacramento. Hopefully they're able to put it all together. Uh, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> but uh, it's always great talking basketball with you guys. I know next time around with the West, everybody going to try to be up in here to talk. So um, that should be good. But um, with that, it's episode 30. Hope you guys are going to have an enjoyable listen with this one. A breakdown of the East in our NBA season preview. With episode 31, we'll delve into the Western Conference. With that, hope you guys have a great day. Peace. Line down, Wednesday.